Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Kona Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke, and guys, I am back with a great one today. I have the legend, Dr. Michael Scher, Uncle Mikey, as he is known to thousands of University of Florida College of Vet Medicine graduates. He is here with me on the podcast. The guy has, uh, the guy's a living legend. He has been in practice at a high, high level for 50 years. He's written five textbooks. He is a just a wealth of one of book knowledge like he he is super up on all of the research he knows all the things but he is that clinician that has so much experience and he teaches you his experience and he'll say well this isn't written down but this is what I have found and it is that type of just gold that I just crave as a doctor it's like I want that knowledge and so getting him on the podcast to share it is just such a win for me and I just feel so great about it and today we are back and we were talking about something that I know that he loves uh, is Addison's disease. And he taught me Addison's disease uh, and, and all the other uh, students at Florida. And I told him, and I told him in this in this podcast, uh, you know, I was a vet school, I was a vet student. I didn't have the most experience, I don't think, to really totally understand all of the pearls that he had to share. And so I have always wanted to go back and say, teach me that again, now that I am in a place where I can really understand it and I can get all the pearls, or at least most of the pearls, out of what you're saying. And so he did. So guys, that's what I got for you today. The one and only Dr. Mikey Sher is back and we are talking about uh, Addison. Let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome, uh, Dr. Michael Scher, Uncle Mikey, to literally thousands of Florida graduates. Is that intimidating that you think of a, like a thousand people think of you as Uncle Mikey? I try not to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> although, although at the same time, I'm very proud of it. You should be. You should be. You you are uh, you are an icon to so many of us. So thank you for uh, for being here and for sharing your knowledge. I still remember your clinical lectures on uh, on Addison's disease. And we talked about the great pretender. And I, I don't I don't think that I had the clinical experience at the time. I know I didn't have the clinical experience at the time to really fully process all that you sort of taught us. And so what I was hoping today um, is that you and I could walk through uh, an Addisonian case together sure. and and, and just, yeah, it just, just sort of check me on it. But, but I, I, I love, I just remember how comprehensive your knowledge was. And I'd love just to run through Addison's disease with you, if that's possible. Absolutely, Andy. Go right ahead. Let's just start. I have a six-year-old female spade Westie, West Highland White Terrier, named uh, Snowflake. And she is in for just not doing well. She just seems more lethargic. Her appetite's just not what it used to be. I, you know, I look at this dog and say, and think of the great pretender and Addison's as, as on my differential list. Can you and I just kind of walk through that, what that case would look like and how, and how these cases present and sort of what, what my, what my thoughts should be on treatment? Okay. I classify Addison's disease into the early stage, the late stage and the crisis stage. And with the early stage, they'll present just like you described, just not doing well. I remember a client coming in, uh, he had a German short hair pointer and he said, uh, doc, the dog just isn't birdieing right. So that was the first time <laughs> I ever heard the word birdieing, but readily figured out, okay, this is a field, a field dog and yeah. he's just not going out to the fields and doing his usual pointer thing. 
he said, otherwise, you know, the appetite's off a bit, just not doing so well. And there you're going to get your, quote, doing okay, but not as well as I'm used to seeing. Mm -hmm. And that's the earliest stage of um, adrenal insufficiency, probably reflecting on gradually decreasing levels of cortisol. And if you don't think of Addison's in your differential diagnosis, you won't find it because you're going to have to look for it at that stage. Because a lot of those dogs, such as in Daisy's case, um, she might have a completely normal physical examination. Or the owner might add, uh, when you ask about, um, has there been any vomiting? Has there been any diarrhea? Well, it's been occasionally, but not so much. There's nothing really, no major complaints with that. But all that bears significance when you add it all up. Now, you might turn around after you do your physical examination, look at that dog and say, well, you know, we could do some outpatient blood tests. We'll do a CBC. We'll do a chemistry. And uh, I'll call you when I get those test results. And in the meantime, um, we could just try some symptomatic therapy. Um, you know, if you want to add some vitamins to the diet or, or something very, very bland mm -hmm. or do nothing at all until you get those test results. And then you get the test results back. And then if it's a very early stage, you might see absolutely nothing right. on the chemistries. But there can be some flags. And this is where my education grew as I've, as I've become older and older as a clinician, where the electrolytes could be normal. But what you might find is a decrease in the cholesterol mm -hmm. and a decrease in the albumin. Hmm. And these are some of those early flags of the, quote, atypical Addison's patients that we've come to now read about. It's in the books. It's in the journals. But today, that would red flag you to say, hey, I wonder if this is an early Addison's disease. And now let me go to the gold standard and recommend a, an ACTH stimulation test or some practitioners uh, who don't want to spend the money with the ACTH stim might just want to do a, a resting cortisol. But my advice is once I zoom in on Addison's disease, I don't want to have to come back a second time after the resting is borderline low and then I have yeah. to do an ACTH <laughs> stim. The, yeah. you know, it's hard on the client to come back, you know, sometimes. So once I start thinking about it, I say, hey, let's just do it and rule it in or rule it out. Yeah, that's the voice of experience is yeah. you can do this, but it's going to be borderline low and you're going to be doing it uh, the right way later on. Exactly. And I do see those cases um, over the past couple of years. I've seen a whole bunch of them come through our clinic that way. OK, so 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 check it out. Uh, uh, the decreased cholesterol, decreased albumin can be an early sign. If you have it on your radar, ACTH stem. If this dog, when this dog comes back as an early stage Addisonian, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, uh, percortin and oral prednisone are still the mainstay. Do you have advice for me on sort of uh, getting yeah. treatment started? Yeah. Prednisone, of course. And the physiologic dose for pred is going to be uh, anywhere from 0.2 to 0.3 mg per kg per day. Okay. Now, as far as the mineralocorticoid, what you'll find in some of these atypical Addisonians where the electrolytes are normal, they might do just fine on the glucocorticoid and not require any mineralocorticoid as well. And the ones that I have had over the years, I would follow them out and the electrolytes stayed within a normal range. Now, because this can be a progressive immune-mediated destruction of the adrenal gland, Mm -hmm. It might eventually impinge on the zona glomerulosa, 
where aldosterone is produced. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you'll start getting the electrolyte shifts, which, which could come in three ways. You could get, first of all, normal electrolytes, or B, you could get hyponatremia with normal potassium, mm -hmm. or, or you could get normal sodium and a little bit elevated potassium. They don't always work proportionally simultaneously. They okay. kind of break away and do their own thing because physiologically in the body, the compensatory mechanisms for disruptions in sodium and potassium are different. Okay. So that's why they don't always um, do the opposite of one another simultaneously. Okay. How do I know where I am in this process? What is your advice for, you know, do you not start with a mineral corticoid and see how they do? Is there, a, a, walk, walk me through that. And then knowing this may be progressive, help, help me with the monitoring and, 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 and staying as aggressive as I need to be. Okay. The, the recent papers that have been published in the Internal Medicine Journal do show that these atypical Addisonians, quite a few of them, even though they have normal electrolytes, that their measured aldosterone levels are still low. Okay. So based on that, you might justify doing the DOCP thing. Or if some people prefer to use Florinuf, they can. On the other hand, if the lights are normal, you might opt to just do the prednisone. And when you do your rechecks, you're probably going to do it maybe um, once a month for the first couple of months. And then you'll spread it out once every few months, et cetera, et cetera. And if they trend out to maintain normal electrolytes all the time, you might not have to use the mineralocorticoid because mm -hmm. they're correcting for it themselves. But if, however, you see things starting to shift, then I would bring on the mineralocorticoid with the glucocorticoid okay. and make that lifelong therapy from there. Okay. Is, does the ACTH stem test play a part in my monitoring at all, or am I mostly flying using my uh, chemistries? Only initially do you use the ACTH stem. Okay. Because once you have an Addisonian, they should always be an Addisonian. Gotcha. With one exception. If you have a Cushing dog that where you wipe out the adrenal cortex with either lysadrine or trilostane, you can make them temporarily Addisonian until such time the pituitary continues to oversecrete ACTH to cause more adrenal hyperplasia, then they come out of that. Gotcha. So that's the rare exception. But So the ACTH is not going to give me any sort of guidance of a severity of the condition or things like no. that? No. The owner's history will be very informative, especially the dog's appetite and activity level. If they're okay, that usually speaks for a dog that should be okay biochemically. Now, if you want to do a chemistry profile, you can. Oh, another thing that I would sometimes consider in some of these Addisonians is looking at the thyroid gland. And the reason being, there is a rare occasion when you have autoimmune adrenalitis with autoimmune thyroiditis in some of these dogs, and they might come in with simultaneous hypothyroid and hypoadrenal. Yeah. That's called Schmidt syndrome. That's a human term for autoimmune polyglandular syndrome. Okay. I feel I feel great. I, I feel really good. Yeah. I think this is exactly what I need to walk through. I, I, I think it's fantastic. Are there any uh, landmines that I need to look out for? Any common mistakes? Or do you have any final pearls, pieces of advice as I go into this? 
Once you diagnose Addison's disease, the the regulation and the monitoring is pretty straightforward. It's not like um, regulating a diabetic with insulin where you always worry about hypoglycemia, etc. The one exception to that being you have the dog regulated, everything's cool, and then let's say a month later, the dog comes down with um, something like a uh, hemorrhagic gastroenteritis-like syndrome. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to think of, oh my God, the dog's gone back into an Addisonian crisis, but not necessarily so. It's, it just happens to be a, another crisis situation on top of the dog being a regulated Addisonian. But the, but the caution sign is with this particular dog, when you evaluate that dog in crisis and it's in hypotension, you'll find its electrolytes might be normal as most of your HGE dogs show. I know there's a new name for HGE, but I'm a creature of habit with that. <laughs> and it's a shorter term. It's easier to remember. But um, if you find that the electrolytes are normal, then step out of the box and say, okay, the dog has two diseases. And remember that the dog does not have an adrenal reserve mm-hmm. to counteract the shock brought about by the gastroenteritis. And as a result of that, you'll want to give them a pretty solid dose of glucocorticoid during the time of crisis and maybe for the next two days and then taper it back to its normal maintenance level. That makes a ton of sense. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Gang, that's what I got for you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, uh, the kindest thing that you can do for me and my team is to write an honest review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that people can uh, can know the podcast is good and can find our episodes. So uh, that just means the world to me. If you're up for it, uh, I would really appreciate it. Without further ado, I'm going to sign off and wish you guys a happy, happy 2021. See you guys on the other side.